Good morning, family camp. So <clears throat> I told you about going to the dentist and, and, and having the gas and sideways in the chair. Somebody was talking to me yesterday, and uh, as we were visiting, uh, I, they, they were talking about scripture memory and things like that. And trust that you're doing that. You're, you're memorizing God's, God's word. You're uh, using, a, lo- a lot of people like the whole idea of, of, uh, of meditation on God's word. That's huge. Uh, I, I like, uh, I have a, a smoker and I do ribs and I do all kinds of meats and things. And one of the things I do is I like the idea of marinating. Marinating ourselves into God's word. Allowing it to break down. Uh, the connective tissue of sin, and allowing it to uh, work in our lives, and so uh, we we learned we learned scripture, we learned to to uh, repeat scripture, we learned to memorize scripture. So way back in the day, uh, I was hunting, stepped in some ice, and uh, broke my ankle, and uh, crawled up underneath my truck to stay warm. Waited for the ambulance to come. They came and got me. Went to the hospital. I was in the hospital. And I uh, was with my wife, and uh, they had uh, given me some morphine, lots and lots of morphine. It was awesome. I mean, I had to have some morphine. Um, and so I, I, I had, I was, man, I was jacked up on morphine because I was in a great deal of pain. And you know what? Morphine doesn't kill the pain. You just don't care anymore. Okay, and so uh, I'm laying there, and uh, they're trying to get a team together to do surgery. There had been a big ice storm here in northern Iowa, and uh, I was like the 10th or 12th person that had come in since the ice storm started with a broken ankle. They were doing um, legs, um, arms, and wrists. That was the big deal, and so anyway, they're getting ready to do the surgery, and the nurse walks by, and as she goes by the door, she goes, we good? And I'm laying on the green. I'm like, we're good. And she, she, she walked away, and it dawned on me. And I just turned, and I looked at Lynn, and I went, no, there's none good. There's none righteous. No, not one. How'd I do? And Lynn goes, nailed it. I was like, yes. Morphine and everything. Nailed it. So study God's word. Memorize it. And uh, let it come back on those times when you're jacked up on morphine. So, well, I, you know what? Today's Thursday. It is. You know, and, and just remember, Sunday we were talking. We're like, you know what? It's going to be, before you know it, you're going to blink. It's going to be over. And we're just about there. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, to uh, uh, just continue to go back over the notes, continue to work things through. Uh, again, you guys have been incredibly encouraging. It's been fun to be here this week with you guys, and uh, we're going to, uh, to, to make a difference today. We're going to walk through um, another, another Bible character, and uh, this morning as we, uh, again, we are in the um, Colosseum. We are making some rounds around the track, and uh, you know what? Tomorrow morning, pff, we're out, Right? We're headed out, we're going back out, we're going to be uh, in the race of life, and we want to uh, just be encouraged again. And so this morning as we see Joseph head back into the stands, a man steps out and approaches us on the track, but he's not coming out of the stands. Uh, perhaps this time he's coming from the infield. So as you think about that, you realize we have the, the, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and they are from Hebrews chapter 11. And this particular person is coming to us, but he's not coming down out of the stands. He's not from Hebrews 11. He is from the infield, uh, not from the hall of faith. He is a newcomer, a giant in the faith from the New Testament. Uh, the first person you might think of is Paul. Or John, perhaps James, or John Mark. By the way, if you've not done a study on the life of John Mark, you need to. Great, great story, great encouragement from the Word of God there. But all of those men teach us about walking with God, knowing Jesus, dealing with the giants in our lives. And maybe you've kind of already figured out where we're going this morning. But we are going to be looking at the life of Peter. We're going to look at the life of Peter. Um, Andrew's brother, 
One who went from commercial fisherman to one of the spokesmen of the early church. This morning, we're going to talk about the giant of failure from the life of Peter. Peter strides up to us, comes to us from the infield, if you'll allow me to put him there. He immediately begins to speak to us. Perhaps he says something like this, walking with Jesus is the most incredible privilege that you can have. The journey that we are on is often marked by missteps and failures. During the process of striving to be like Jesus, striving to live for him, striving to to impact our world with Jesus, you will experience good days and bad days. Incredible highs and unfathomable lows. And in the midst of those down times, in the midst of the lows, you can't give up, you can't give in, and you can't quit. God never quits on us. So this morning, my big idea is simply this. No matter the size, no matter the shape, no matter the extent of the failures in your life, Forgiveness is always available through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Do you believe that? As we gather together here this morning, do you believe that, that forgiveness is available? Maybe you're here and, and, and you've, got, you've got sin in your life right now. You know, as well as I do, God's been dealing with you all week about something that's going on in your life. And you need to deal with that. You've got sin in your life. Maybe it's something that's happened in the past. And you're still reeling from the circumstances around that sin. Forgiveness is available through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the reasons I believe that that Peter is so loved as a Bible personality is that it's so easy for us to relate to Peter. For Peter as well as us, there are moments of absolute brilliance. So often followed by times of absolute and complete stupidity. Is that too harsh? I'm going to tell you, I don't don't think so. Let's not soft-pedal Peter's highs and lows by looking to soft-pedal the failures that we experience. We're going to do well at times. We are going to struggle. We're going to find ourselves in sin. And uh, the truth is, we fail every day. We struggle. Every day. And yet, what we want to see today from Peter's life is that, above all, if we ask, forgiveness is available. And that's important for us. Now, here's the way today's going to work we are going to cover more scripture than Lewis and Clark covered ground. All right? And, and I am going to do what I, I really love to do. Now, I'm going to give you a point. I'm going to give you a passage. If you want to turn there, you can. Then I'm, going to walk, I'm just going to walk through the passage. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to walk through it. We're going to talk about the, the stories. I love to tell stories. Okay? And, and I'm going to do that with the scriptures. And, and, and as I do that, we're going to build, 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 build. And then we're going to go to one passage. And we're going to use that at the end, all right? So I don't want you to think that, well, all Pastor Steve did was tell stories and he never preached the word. We're going to to walk through the word. We're going to look at the stories. And then when we get to to a certain place, we're going to go to a scripture. We're going to develop that. We're going to walk through it. And we're going to be encouraged. You're going to be encouraged whether you like it or not. You understand me? Okay. All right. So as we begin, we want to start with this idea of getting it right and getting it wrong. 
We're going to look at the life of Peter. We're going, to, we're going to start out by getting it right, getting it wrong. Peter did the right thing often, but then he would, he would absolutely miss by a mile. And so I want us to look at four hits and misses from Peter. Number one, we're going to talk about Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, great confession followed by a stunning rebuke. Okay, here's the deal. Jesus is working with the disciples. They go to Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, and, and they're there, and, and they're actually in, in front of a uh, monument. They're in front of a, um, how do I want to uh, say it? It's, it's, um, it's a rock cave, basically, that they're in front of. And uh, it's literally called the gates of hell, okay? So Jesus is there talking to them, and he says to them, who do people say that I am? And the disciples, well, you're, you, you could be um, uh, um, John the Baptist. You could be Elisha. You could be all these different, you know, and, and Jesus says, okay, that's good. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And Jesus says, nailed it. Perfect. Great job. That is exactly right. In fact, on that truth, Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we look at Peter, yes. Oh, love it. Peter, great job. Then the Bible says that, by the way, I'm in um, Matthew 16. I forgot to tell you because I want to tell the story. So, so Peter then is, is there, and Jesus begins to go, okay, here's what you guys need to understand. Peter, great job. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to sinful men. And I'm eventually going to be crucified. And, and, and Peter pulls Jesus aside. He said, hang on, guys. No, that's not how it's going to work. And Jesus says to Peter, what? Get thee behind me. So at one moment, Peter's like, you are the son of God. You are the one that God has sent. You are Messiah. And Jesus goes, good job. That's awesome, Peter. And in the next part of the conversation, Peter absolutely nosedives into the ground. And Jesus refers to him as what? Satan. One moment, Peter, you're the rock. And upon the rock, Upon the confession that you made, you, that confession, I'm going to build my church. And what's going to happen then is I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, Peter is on the wrong end of that conversation, being called, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay? Victory, crash and burn, right at the same time. Here's the second one, the transfiguration. Okay? Transfiguration, there are times when we just need to be quiet. Don't say anything, just be quiet. Observe, learn, watch. Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 10 is, is, is the portion of Scripture that we're going to walk through. Jesus said to the disciples, truly, some of you will still be here, and they will see the Son of Man come in his power and glory. And then it says, in six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and they went to a place, and while they were there, Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus, and the three of them are talking. They're transfigured. Jesus is transfigured. He's in his glory, in his power. Elijah, Moses, Jesus, three of them standing there talking. Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, 
One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then I love this because the, the writer here, by the way, John Mark, is saying, for he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. So he sees Jesus, and he sees him in his glory, and he doesn't know what else to say. So he goes, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good thing for us to be here. Let's, uh, let's build some tents, and, and then that way you guys can all have your own place, and, and it, will be, it will be awesome. And at this time, a voice comes from heaven. And the voice says to them, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Scripture says suddenly they looked around and Jesus is standing there. Elijah and Moses are gone. Jesus is back to himself. And sometimes it's best just to be quiet. They don't need a place to stay. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Next one is the cost of discipleship. I, I, I just nailed it. Okay? This, this is good. John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Peter is, is, is there with Jesus and, and they are, uh, uh, Jesus is teaching, and, and he's fed the 5,000. There's all these people around, and he begins to explain to them what it really means, what is the cost of discipleship. And as Jesus walks through all of that, he eventually gets to the place where in John chapter 6 and verse 66 it says, after this, after he'd explained what it meant to really follow hard after God, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered. And he said, Lord, where are we going to go? To whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Yes! Peter nailed it. And there's, there's, there's no like in, 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 in a couple more sentences Jesus is going to get thee behind me saying, no, this is the good one. This is the cost of discipleship and, and Peter nailed it. It's a great answer. Great answer. Sometimes Peter did some great highs. Sometimes there were some lows. Sometimes he sh should have been quiet. And he nails this. I got one more. One more I want to share with you. As we talk about his highs and lows. The washing of feet. John chapter 13. It's more than what meets the eye. Washing of the feet is more than what meets the eye. So... You, you understand what's going on in, in, in John 13 through 17. It's the upper room discourse. John 13, they've all come together for the Last Supper. And Jesus, as, as all the guys are sitting around, they're getting ready for, for the meal. Jesus goes over and he gets a towel and he girds himself with the towel. And he gets a basin of water and he goes over and he kneels down. And he doesn't say a word. He just starts washing the disciples' feet. You guys with me? Nod your heads like this. Okay, just, just checking. All right. So he gets to Peter. And Peter, not really tracking with what's going on or anything, and he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? In other words, are you, are you kidding me? You're going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, he says, what I am doing you do not understand, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter says, no, it, it's not going to work that way. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. 
To which Simon Peter then answers, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head also. Jesus said, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. Except for his feet, he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. If you're familiar with the passage, you know he's talking about Judas. Judas is still there. He hasn't left yet, so he's still there. So here's the situation. Peter is trying to honor Christ. He's, he, he's trying, but he's missing the point of what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to show them not just that their feet are dirty, but that if they know him, they have that relationship with him, they don't need to keep getting resaved, right? They just need to take care of their sin. And so we keep a short list with God, and we allow that to confess our sin to God, okay? And we are able then to be in a right relationship with him. And so that's what Jesus is teaching them, although they don't understand. And Jesus says, later on, you'll get it. Okay? So we know that the disciples were all there, correct? Nod your heads, yes. Okay? One of those disciples is John. And we know that when we get to John chapter 1, verse 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, we make God a liar. And then he says, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a parallel. There's a, you, can, you can connect the dots back to this passage. And what we see is, is Peter trying to wrestle through this. Sometimes we have to wrestle through things. And hopefully we come up with the right decisions. So we see, and what we're, this is all I'm trying to, to show here, is that there's some great highs and there's some, some lows in Peter's life. Okay? So first of all, you ought to be encouraged. Because if sometimes you look at your own life and you say, well, there's sometimes when, I, when I'm doing really well, I'm walking with God. And there's other times when I recognize I'm a complete mess. And we need to be able to learn from these Bible characters that we look at. They, there's, there's, there's a reason why I believe it's easy to look at the scriptures and say this is inspired of God. Okay? Because if we were writing it and it was just on us, we wouldn't add in half of this stuff. God gives us characters in the scripture that are real people and not just superheroes. They're real people. They give, God gives us warts and all. David, a man after God's own heart, wouldn't you love it if you just left it there? I mean, if we were writing it, we would... Why would you put in the stuff about Bathsheba and, and Uriah the Hittite and, and all of that? Just let it go. But God's busy. God, God wants us to see that, that they're just like us. Peter's a man like I am. Sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I'm an abject failure. And we need to recognize that. So then... Those are some of the highs and lows. Then we're going to move and we're going to talk about the complete meltdown. What do you want me to do? No, that's okay. We good? Okay. Thank you. So we're going to talk about the complete meltdown. And again, I'm going to look at a couple of different passages to walk through this. All right, so we, we're going to begin in the complete meltdown, and we start with the denial foretold. The denial foretold. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, Jesus said, Behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. 
And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am willing to go with you to both prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Peter's walking with the Lord. He's doing the best he can. And Jesus begins to tell him, buddy, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And Peter, man, I love him. He says, you know what, Jesus? I'm I'm willing, buddy. I'm with you. If you go to prison, I'm with you. If you go to death, I'm with you. This is not going to happen the way you think. Jesus says, Peter, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you know me. Three times you're going to deny that you know me. Three strikes, and you're out. Mark chapter 14. Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came after seeing Peter warming himself by the fire. She looked at him and she said, you were also with the Nazarene Jesus. But Peter denied it and he said, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and said again to him and the bystanders, this man, he's one of them. And again he denied it. While the bystanders were still standing there, uh, they said to Peter, certainly you're one of them. You're a Galilean. I believe in one of the other gospel narratives it says, your, 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 your voice gives it away. Your accent gives it away. You, you're a Galilean. We can tell that. Peter began to invoke a curse upon himself and to swear, I do not know the man whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times and he broke down and wept I need you to understand something the denials of Peter are far more serious than perhaps our English translations of the scripture portray girl says he's warming himself by the fire girl says you are with Jesus nope don't know him I have no idea what you're talking about the other people say, oh, no, 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 you're, you're one of them. No, no, I do not know. The third time it says that he begins to curse and swear. You need to understand, it's not like, I swear I don't know the guy. Oh, he's completely lost it. When it says that he swears, he's swearing. And he's not just saying, I don't know the guy. But according to this portion of Scripture, it says that he invokes a curse on himself. And he swears. If you're still not tracking with me, he's using language that we would be saying we would abhor that. We don't want to be around that. Okay, rooster crows, he hears that. Now before we get to the he broke down and wept, I have one more thing I want us to notice. The look, the look. Because we were looking at Mark, but in Luke chapter 22 and verse 61, listen to what this says. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. So he's, he's, he's swearing, he's called a curse down on himself if he's lying. And he says, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, Peter is still, the words are rolling out of his mouth. I have no idea what you're talking about. The rooster crowed in verse 61, Luke 22, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So he's being transferred from, from one building to another. And it just so happens that he's in between, he's in the courtyard, he's being moved from one place to another. 
And he says, I do not know the man. And he turns and he locks eyes with Jesus. Can you see that? Can you even begin to imagine what that moment must have been like? No, no, no. See, I, I don't know him. I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about. No, 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 no. Seriously, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. May I be cursed if I'm lying? And then, blank, 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 blah, 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 right? I don't know what you're talking about. Rooster crows, turns, looks at Jesus. The look. The conviction. The overwhelming recognition of abject failure. It says in this passage that I just read, Luke 22, it ends by saying, and he wept, went out and wept bitterly. No kidding. No kidding. Take your Bibles with me and go to John 21. John 21. Whew, Peter's a mess. He has denied Jesus three times. He has responded in such a way that is, an, you don't even know where to begin. And then the last thing that, that happens to him is that he locks eyes with Jesus across this courtyard. And I don't know about you, but that, just the thought of that, it, it just crushes me. And, and he, he does that. And what I want us to see now, this is finding forgiveness. Finding forgiveness. And as we come to John 21, I want you to notice just a couple of things, okay? First of all, I want you to notice the decision. John 21, beginning in verse 1, says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself again in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got in the boat, fished all night, and they caught nothing. All right, here's what I want you to understand. And this is, this is why I call this the decision. Because this is not Peter saying, well, not much going on today. I'm going to head down to the lakefront. I'm going to do some fishing. This is Peter recognizing he's done. When he says, I'm going fishing, he's saying, Jesus is dead. I know I've seen him alive. I don't know what's going on. I'm totally confused. And I quit. I'm a failure. I deny Jesus. He'll never use me. He'll never want me. So I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the only thing I know. I'm going to go back and be a commercial fisherman. And because, whether he likes it or not, he's a leader, there were some other guys there, and they all went, yeah, I guess you're right. We'll go too. And so he makes, he's done. God can't use me. I denied Jesus. I've seen him. I, 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 I know he's alive, but I'm done. I quit. I give up. I'm not going to be used of God. I'm going to go back. I'm going fishing. I am so thankful that the narrative does not end there. Notice the next thing is breakfast with Jesus. Beginning in verse 4, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, i.e. John, as he refers to himself quite often as a disciple whom Jesus loved, 
The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped down for work. And he threw himself into the sea and the other disciples came in a boat and they dragged the net of fish to the shore for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got to land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. That's why using gas grills is not biblical. Just saying. I couldn't help myself. They find this charcoal fire in place with fish laid upon it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And Simon went aboard and hauled the fish net ashore full of large fish. There were 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples there asked him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them also with the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus had revealed himself after he was raised from the dead. Man, there is so much going on here. But Jesus reaches out to the disciples. He feeds them breakfast. And so here they are. They're on the shore. They're having breakfast. If you've not had fish on the grill, you've not lived. Good stuff, okay? So here they are, they're having, having breakfast and all of that, and then comes a conversation with Jesus and Peter, beginning in verse 15, John 21, 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he, that is Peter, said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him, Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the scripture says that Simon Peter is grieved in his heart. Because Jesus had to ask him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep. Now, I've worked through this passage a number of times, and I realize there's a lot, you know, different words for do you love me in the Greek, and, and, and I realize that, and I realize that there is uh, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, uh, and, you know, feed my sheep. I, real, I realize all that. Here's what I want you to see. Peter denied the Lord three times, and three times now Jesus says to him, hey, you love me? You love me more than these? That's always an interesting question. Do you love me more than these? Why do you suppose the scripture is so clear in telling us, let me just double check this, that there was exactly 153 fish? Why not just that the net was full? Peter had said, I'm unusable, I got nothing. And I am going to go back to what I know how to do. I'm going to be a fisherman. So Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? 153 fish? Is that a possibility that Jesus was speaking about the fish? Nod your heads like this. Yes, it's a possibility. But also, could Jesus have been looking at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter would turn his head and look, and here's the disciples eating breakfast. They're eating their fish. They're eating their bread. Is that possible? Yes, it's possible. 
We don't know for sure exactly, exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, do you love me more than these? Could be the fish that he said, hey, this is what I know. I'm going to go back. I'm going to be a fisherman. I'm done. The bottom line is he denied the Lord three times, and the Lord gave him an opportunity three times to confess his love for him. Guys, listen. Forgiveness is always available, always available with God. Forgiveness is always available. Pastor Marty talked about the prodigal son. We saw that skit. Remember the skit we saw about the prodigal son? Let me tell you the thing about the prodigal son that, 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 that strikes me to my inner, inner core. It's not the fact that the kid got the money and he left. It's not the fact that he went and wasted his money. It's not the fact that he came to his own senses and then went back and he just wanted to be a servant in his father's house. You know what gets me every single time? It's when it says that the father saw him coming a long ways off. Now, I don't know how, how you, your mind works, okay? But this is, this is how my mind works. I can still see the front of the house that I grew up in. We lived kind of up on a hill. And when I was growing up, there was not much to the south of us. And in fact, the hill went down and it was a big field when I was little. And now you go there and it's like house after house. And in my mind's eye, I see that. And then I see my dad. Looking. And as I think about the prodigal son, I think about the fact that the reason he saw his son coming afar off is because every day, believing that sooner or later his son would come home, he was out there on the front porch and he's watching. He's praying. And he's wanting his son to come home. Have you wandered? Have you wandered away from God? Oh, you're, you're playing the game. You're going through the motions. You know all the right things to say. But the reality is, your heart is far from him. I'm telling you this morning that our Heavenly Father stands and he waits. And he wants us to come home. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. The offer is available to you. Forgiveness is available. You say, Pastor, you don't have any idea what I've been involved in. I don't care. Forgiveness is available. No matter what it is in your life that you're wrestling through, no matter what it is that you've done in the past, there is no scarlet letter sin that says that once you've crossed this line, you can never ask for forgiveness. That is not how God operates. Peter said three times, I don't even know the man. Expletive, expletive, expletive. Rooster crows. Peter turns his head and he locks eyes with Jesus. heavenly, our heavenly father wants us to come home. You realize that as the father and the prodigal son was looking for his son, that Jesus went out that morning to the seashore looking for Peter. Looking to have this conversation. God is looking. You say, Pastor, you I've failed. I've messed up so bad. You know what? There may be some things that within in our Christian walk that, that, that places that you can't serve because of sin in your life, okay. But forgiveness is available. God can still use you in the sphere of influence that you have. 
there are some consequences to Peter's actions. John 21, beginning in verse 18, Truly, truly, I say unto you that when you were young, Jesus is speaking to him, speaking to Peter. He said, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. When you were old, you will stretch out your hand, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, he said this in order to show what kind of death that he would glorify God. Do you remember when we, when we started talking about Peter and, and we said, you know, Jesus told him, Satan wants to sift you like, like wheat, but I've prayed for you. And Peter said, hey, whether you go to prison or whether you die, I'm in. I'll do anything for you. This is Jesus saying, okay. It's kind of like when the disciples said, you know, uh, we want to sit on the right and left hand. And he said, you have no idea of the cup that I'm about to drink. Do you, can you drink that same cup? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. I go, okay. Jesus said, okay, you're going to drink the cup. But it's not up to me to give you the right or left hand side. That's up to my heavenly father. But you will experience what I'm about to experience. And then after he said that to Peter, he said, you follow me. You follow me. Are you willing? Are you willing to follow? Are you tired of playing games? Are you ready to, to, to lay aside the sin that says, does so easily beset you? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to follow hard after God? Last thing we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to do a final thought on focus because that's where we started. That's where we started. And we're still in John 21. Peter turned. Jesus is talking to him. He's laid out to him how he's going to, to die in a way that glorifies God. He has looked at Peter and said, you follow me. And Peter, we love him, but in a way that only he can, it's as if he kind of glances over the shoulder of Jesus and he sees John standing there. Maybe with the other disciples. John 21, 20. Then Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had also leaned back on him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, what about him? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so the saying spread among the believers that this disciple was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say he would not die, but if it's my will he remains till I come, what is that to you? I didn't, I didn't want to just leave that hanging. But what I want to back up to is Peter as much as he's trying to, to grasp all that Jesus is telling him, he just can't help himself to, to glance over and see John and say, well, what about John? What about, what about that guy? And Jesus says, don't worry about that guy. You follow me. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about other people in your church. Don't worry about other believers that you know. We're so concerned about everybody else. You follow Jesus. Follow hard after him. You're responsible to follow hard. You're responsible to do what's right. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't give in. Follow hard after God. You follow him. Don't put your faith in your pastor. We will disappoint you. Don't put your faith in men. Man will disappoint you. Focus on Jesus. Follow hard after him. The message to us is clear. The battle in our giants, the, the battle with our giants in our lives, in order to win that, we must maintain focus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
He is the one. He's the one that we track after. Nobody else. Exercise, spiritual disciplines, reading God's word, prayer, meditation, or marination, as I like to say, in, in God's word. Fasting, being faithful in your local church, reading good books. The list can go on and on and on. But the bottom line is, where is your focus? What is it that we're supposed to be doing? It's following after God, following after Jesus. He is our perfect example. He is the one that was tempted in all ways that we were, and yet without sin. He is the one, according to Hebrews, that has opened the door wide open, and now we have the ability to walk right into the throne room of God and cry out, Abba, Father. And if nobody's ever walked you through that, the very basic, literal translation is that you now have the ability to walk into the very throne room of God by way of prayer, by way of the blood of Jesus, and cry out, Daddy, Daddy. Focus on Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Determine to be God's man or woman. No matter what comes your way. No matter what the giants are. Maintain your focus. Be God's man or woman. Follow hard after Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. God, this morning, we are so thankful for the way it encourages us to remain faithful. Father, thank you this morning for the men and women of the Bible. Thank you for showing us not only their strengths, but their weaknesses, as well as giving us a pattern to learn from so that we can live lives that honor you and give you glory. Father, this morning as we battle the giants in our lives, we simply ask for strength. Strength from on high. Strength to be faithful. Strength to be courageous. Strength to be strong in the face of battle. And Father, may we be willing to come and ask your forgiveness. May your word give us strength and hope as we strive to please you, as we strive and endeavor seeking you with a great passion. Father, use the messages that we've walked through this week. Use them to help us live out our walk with you in this life. Father, help us as only you are able. Help us maintain our focus. Father, we love you. We stand in awe of who you are. And we just simply ask now, God, may you be glorified in our lives. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.